Today's bracha is the bracha that begins with the word Ritzei, Ritzei Hashem Elokeinu. But we're not merely beginning a new bracha. We are beginning today a new section. We're actually divided into three sections. Uh, the Rambam, in the beginning of Ritchot Tefillah, Perak Aleph Halach the Rambam says, what is Mitzvah Tefillah? And it's important to realize he's talking about Mitzvah Tefillah, the Oraita, before there are any words, before there are any, uh, m- most details have not been formulated because they're the Rabbanan, they're formulated by the by Chazal. But the Mitzvah Deoraita, the Rambam says is, what do you do? Sheyehei Adam mitchaneinu mitpalel b'choyom umagid shvachos shel HaKadosh Baruch person should pray, beseech God every day, and he says the praise of God. And afterwards he requests his needs, he presents his, his needs. In supplication. And then he gives praise and thanks to God for all the good which God has given him. Shemesh is divided into three parts. The first three brachot, which are called Shevach, praise. The next thirteen brachot, which are requests. And the last three, which the Rambam calls Shevach Hodeya, or just Hodeya, thanks to God. This isn't merely a, a literary distinction. This is a halachic distinction. Um, there are a number of halachot which relate and depend on this uh, division of Shemun into three parts. For instance, if you make a mistake in Shemun So if you make a mistake in the first three brachot, you have to go back to the beginning of the first three brachot. If you make a mistake in the last three brachot, you go back to the beginning, to say the last three brachot. If you make a mistake in the middle brachot, you go back to where you made a mistake. Or another distinction. The Gemara says explicitly that one can ask for one's own needs, one's private needs, within the framework of the middle 13 brachot. In other words, the brachot there of refuah, where we ask for healing for all those who are sick. If you are sick, or you know somebody is sick, what the Gemara calls, yesh lo chole betoch beto, someone in your house is sick. So you can and should ask specifically that God heal that person. Where do you say that? You say that in one of the middle brachot, namely the brachot of, of healing. And that's true for everything else. Ein adam, person is not allowed to make his private requests in the first three brachot or in the last three brachot. Why not? Because they're not brachot of request. They have a different purpose, and therefore you cannot add them. So this distinction is it's, it's real, it's halachic, it's legal. And we are beginning now the last section, the section the Rambam defines as being Hodaya. Now, having said that, the first bracha, the bracha for today, let's say, becomes unusually or especially difficult to understand. I would have asked this question anyway. What is the difference between the previous bracha, Shomeya Tefillah, and this bracha, Previously we asked God to accept And now we're asking Him Which also means to accept them favorably. What is the difference between these two brachot? I would have asked this in any event because different brachot should ask for different things. But now that I realize that this bracha isn't meant to be a request at all, 
Shomei Tefillah is to ask God for something, which we talked about in the last few or what exactly we are asking for. But to say, I know is not asking God for something, because we finished with the requests. We're now in the last section, which Rabbi calls Hodaya. So what exactly are we talking about here when we say, God should please accept favorably our prayers, etc., etc., etc. Aren't we, in fact, simply asking for the same thing twice? And aren't we, in fact, asking for something? It's both redundant and out of place. You know, to answer this question, we first of all have to reinterpret just what I mean by the last three brachot. The Bambam says Hodaya. There is a bracha that's called Hodaya. The next bracha, after it say, bracha modim is modim. We thank you, God. But our bracha doesn't have any particular sentiment of thanking, nor does the final of the three brachot, Sim Shalom, say anything about thanking God. It says, please give us peace. Place peace among us. So I'd like to quote a Gemara, which is really very, very different than the Bible. And I think will be the key to understanding the way Chazal understood the final three brachot, Chazal who instituted these three brachot, how they understood them. And this is what the Gemara in Bachot says in the Flamadal Limadalaf. Amar Rav Yehuda. The first line is halach which I just quoted. Le'olam al yishal adam tzorachav lo b'shalosh rishonot ve'lo b'shalosh acharonot elo b'emtsaot. You're not permitted to ask for your own needs, neither in the first three nor in the last three, but only in the middle ones. Why? Here's our important line. The Amar Rabbi Chanina. Rishonot I translate literally. The first three are like a servant who arranges praise before his master. The middle ones are like a servant who requests a prize or a, a portion from his master. Achronot dome le ebet shakibel pras mirabo beniftar veholechlo. The last three brachot are like a servant who has received a portion from his master and here's my problem how to translate it. Veniftar veholechlo. Holechlo means he leaves. Kusha was the word niftar. And he I'm going to give you what I think is the accurate translation. The closest I could find in English. He takes leave and departs. The word niftar is not only Hebrew. Even in Hebrew, it's not modern Hebrew. Uh, we use it today only in one sense, when someone dies. Because we're quoting an ancient word. But a ptira is a demise. It's when you leave. As lehipater mimishu, it means to leave him. But it's a very formal, very old, has a, has a beard, so to speak. The word, the word, the word is archaic. Niftavaholechlo. And it expresses a certain kind of formality, which is different than Baholechlo. He does two things. First of all, he is Niftar, and then he leaves. So, Niftar doesn't mean to leave. Holechlo, he goes away. Niftavaholechlo. 
he divorces himself from the person he's speaking to. The entire uh, simile which Avchanina expressed, all of which were based on a servant before his master, is not a natural one for our ears. We don't have servants, we don't have masters. Thank you, the word Evid might be better translated as slave. Same word. We don't quite, it's not natural for us to quite understand the atmosphere. And therefore, I think we should make an effort. I think you should make an effort now, as I'm making an effort, to try to get into, if not ancient world, at least the medieval world, which we at least read a couple of books about. The, the entire framework here is someone who is in service to a king, in service to a master, in service to his lord. Rabbo means his lord. It's very feudal, very medieval. And it's not just that we're not familiar with the, the protocol, the, the ceremonies which might be involved in a servant coming before his master or a, a, a serf coming before the Lord or a liege coming before uh, 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 the duke or the, or the earl. It's really more, much more than that. The entire concept of service is, is fairly foreign to us. Not that many years ago, large parts of the population of the Western world were in service. And our education, democracy, and freedom has seriously denigrated the value of the, of the word. We don't think of ourselves as being in service to show that to anybody else. If you serve, you serve an ideal, maybe you serve yourselves. Whereas in the medieval world, everyone was defined by whom they were in service to. In the ancient world, when, when Yonah was asked for his identity, he had said, I'm an Ivri, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve God, King of the Heavens. Now, I think I also serve God, King of the Heavens. I hope you serve God, King of the Heavens. But I don't think any of us would answer the question when I asked, who are you? But in the ancient world, and in the medieval world as well, who you are was... Who do you belong to? You, can, you don't just have to be a, 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 a base, an abject slave. Three knights, earls were in service to the, the higher level, to the king. Everybody was in service to somebody. It's defined who you were. And it's not just that it was prevalent, it was considered to be an ideal. To be not in service would mean to be lost. The ideal was to serve a higher could be a person, could be an ideal, but to serve a higher something. And in the breaking down, which I don't really bemoan, but the breaking down of service to people, I think we've also broken down to a great extent the ideal of being in service at all. Self-fulfillment is probably the greatest uh, ideal today for individuals. And to a great extent that contradicts the idea of serving something else other than self. Could be somebody else, which I really agree is not necessarily a great, uh, it's a good thing, but not necessarily the only, the only thing. But to recognize that, that you, you serve. With Chazal, that was, it was a natural phrase. We are all Avadim, and I think now we can agree to apply it because none of us rejects the idea that we're in service to God. I'm simply saying that we don't quite naturally understand what the metaphor means. 
when I say that we're in service to God. If we have to make an effort. I just point out, I think when we dive in, and you say, Avarachaman, you say, Avinu, we don't know what Avinu is. We know what a father is, and therefore we can project it on God. Avinu Malkeinu, we have nothing to project for the word Malkeinu. And I suspect many, many of us sort of skip over that word. We like to think of God as being a nice, friendly, loving father. And the picture of God as the king is just so much harder for us to assimilate because one of the reasons is because one, we're no one who's the basic. Because to a great extent, we reject the possibility of having anyone on which to base it. We reject the idea that someone is king of us, even if we don't uh, uh, theoretically and philosophically uh, reject the notion of God's kingship. In fact, in general, authority doesn't really exist today. Part of the modern world is an anti-authoritarianism. Teachers aren't authorities. They just convey information. Parents, your father is not an authority. He's a father. He's not the patriarch. The laws in Shulchan Aruch that are based on kavod, the parents, the teachers, don't sit in their place, stand up when they come into the room. We do it formally because it says on Shulchan Aruch. But it's very hard to explain to people who haven't been brought up the way. I'm not sure we explain it to ourselves. We do it because we were told to do it. Surely it isn't natural. I know many people who stand up for their teachers in school because that's the halacha. They don't stand up for their fathers. Because they just do it what comes naturally. So we'll get back to our story. The first two, you can figure out. You can imagine what it means to praise somebody who you approach. Who's a great person. You can surely imagine what it means to ask to receive what you can only receive from someone who's giving it out. Not because it's your due. You're not asking for your wages, you're asking for a portion. The third one, I think we have to work on a little bit more. Niftar v'holechlo. The simile is describing a ceremony. When you've been called into audience before the king, when you finish, you don't just get up and say, bye. There's a way that one leaves the presence of the king. You have to sort of get, first of all, you have to get permission. That's why it's Lashon Nif'al, Nif'tal. You don't leave, you get left. You, 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 you have to exit his presence. And there's a way, just like coming into his presence, you have to knock. This we still have. You don't barge into somebody, you knock on the door if he's an important person. And you ask permission to enter. Well, when you leave, you have to do that also. Uh, I'll give this an example. It's not true in Hebrew, and it's not true in English. Uh, but in formal Arabic, for instance, if you're being very formal, when you leave someone's presence, you say, which means with your permission. To get up and leave, you have to ask for permission. So, I don't find asking permission in Shmonesli, but I think, but I'm giving it as an idea. In other words, there's, there's something formal about leaving the presence of somebody. The three brachot that we're going to examine next three weeks all involve some measure of, and that's why I use this ancient expression, taking leave of somebody. So, for instance, the second bracha will be to thank him. Not because I got something now. God didn't give me, I asked for him to give me something, but even if I give it out yet, but when you leave, you thank God for, for being God. You thank the person you're leaving for having agreed to speak to you. 
Obviously, this is something we all understand. When you, when you leave, if you have gotten something, if, it was, if someone granted you an audience, again, I'm using these medieval words, he granted you an audience. He didn't just agree to see you, he granted you an audience. That's a very a grant. So you thank him when you leave. The last bracha, we'll get into it, but it's called shalom. Yeah, this we understand when you leave somebody, you say shalom. But now we're into say. What exactly am I saying when I say, Why is that niftar v'holechlo? Having tried to, having begun to understand what it means niftar v'holechlo, I think we can understand what's really happening here. The bracha begins with the word getzei. The halachic name, the chazal name for this bracha is berkata avodah. And in truth, the bracha is mostly about Beit HaMikdash. You say, God should favorably accept our prayers. And then right away we go to talk about korbanot, sacrifices in the Beit HaMikdash. Return the avodah, the service of God that was in the temple. The Ishe Yisrael, the burnt offerings of Israel and their prayers should be acceptable to you. And when you get to the end, it's just clear. It's a request, we should see, our eyes should behold the restoration of the divine presence. To Zion, Hamachzir, Shrinato Zetzion. The Chatimah the Bacha is he who restores the divine presence to Zion, to the city of Zion. And therefore the bracha is called Avodah, service, meaning divine service, meaning temple service. The word say as well is a word that's intrinsically bound up with the Beit HaMikdash. Korbanot in, in Sefer Bayikra, Korbanot are offered Liratzon. It's hard to translate the word Liratzon exactly. The word comes from a root which means will, favor, um, to appease somebody is to liratzototo. But Kobanot offered liratzon chem, and Kobanot go up liratzon to God. And the word appears dozens of times in Vayikar. Perakutet, Pasukhei, Perakabet, Pasukutet, Perakabgimba, Pasukut Aleph. If you offer a Koban, it's nirtzalo. It creates a state of ratzon between you and God. What does it mean, ratzon? Ratzon, the, the, the best translation is the word I use. It means favor, not in the modern sense of favor, that God should do us favors, but that we find favor in the eyes of God. God looks at us favorably. chen tov elokim Chen vachesed. It's a warm feeling. Very close to pleasure. Something is levatzon. It means God appreciates. It finds favor in God's eyes. The kovanot that we bring. In the Torah, the word levatzon appears almost exclusively in the context of kovanot. And that varies between the previous bracha. The previous bracha shema koleinu. God should hear at fila. Let me remind what I said about a previous bracha. Why do you want God to hear a bracha? So I said not because He should give us something. That was the previous brachot. I asked for A, B, C, and D. But, I, but, it, but it still is a need of man. So the need of man was that God should listen to us. That's my need. 
I have a need that God should listen to me, that God should be close to me. That was one of the needs of man for the middle 13 Bachot, was the last one I expressed. It was a religious need. I needed food, I needed forgiveness, I needed wisdom, I needed health, I needed the Binyan Yerushalayim, and I needed a closeness to God. But say, I'm not asking for anything for myself. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's a little audacious. Theologically, I can imagine that that would be problematic, but Jewishly, it's Pashat. What we're saying, we say, let's say, is we're saying, may our tefillah, which we just completed, give you a little nachas. It should find pleasure in your eyes, not because then you'll pay me. But no, I'm paying for God. I, I'm it's like, I got up, I had a long meeting with somebody, which is basically because I needed it. And, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. And I gained from it. After I gained from it, I get up and what do I say? I say, you know, I really hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. That's more or less what it says. It's not one of my needs, it's kaviyachol, one of God's needs. I'm praying that God should enjoy this as much as I did. Let's say, Hashem Elokeinu Amchayisel let our prayers, which we try to do as best we can, serve you. Let them find favor in your eyes. Let them, let them, in whatever the theological explanation for this is, let them be a pleasure for you. A bit of a chutzpah here. <laughs> Do I really imagine that I've granted pleasure to God by the fact that I prayed for Him? Well, maybe I haven't. But it's still the right thing to do to express it. That's part of the nifta v'holechla. When you get up and you leave God, you don't say, I want something, I hope I got it. Okay, you've served your purpose. God doesn't exist to answer my prayers. So I ask for something, hopefully he answers it positively. But now I say, you know, I'll say it negatively. I hope this hasn't been a position on you. I hope this hasn't been a source of sorrow for you. I hope this hasn't been too much, I hope I haven't troubled you too much. Okay, in Judaism we say it positively. I hope this hasn't been too much of a trouble. In fact, I hope you really, you got something out of it. This prayer should produce a a warmth, a close feeling between man and God. This can be seen in one of the opinions. There's a difficult line in Nusach of Restore the service to your house, to the um, um, the building, the edifice of your house, and the burnt offerings of Israel, and our prayers you should Except with love and with ratzon and with favor. There's, a, there's an expression here which is floating in the middle and you just don't know where to put it. God should restore the service to His house. Yisrael And the sacrifices. So you can learn that that's, He should restore two things. It's a little bit clumsy. Restore the service to your house and restore 
sacrifices to your house. Offhand, the sacrifices are the service. Why is it they mentioned separately? Why is it mentioned after the noun? Restore the service to your house and the sacrifices. If I put the comma before Bishesa, I'm pretty sure that in most Sidurim the comma appears after Bishesa. If it's before, then it reads, and the sacrifices of Israel and their prayers, you should accept Beratzon and with love. But there are no sacrifices today. Why am I asking God to accept sacrifices if there are none? Okay, the Torah asks this question, Siman Kafchaf, he gives three answers. One, he says, yeah, we're asking, the Isha Israel is the last part of the first sentence, restore the, the service to the house of the Lord and also the sacrifices. The second one, he says, Isha Israel is a metaphor. It doesn't mean sacrifices, it means prayers. It's a fancy way of saying prayers. The, the burnt offerings of Israel means our prayers. After all, prayers are Kineget Korbanot. The Gemara in the fourth paragraph of Bachot says, Shwan is a replacement or a um, parallel to the sacrifice. But then there's a third answer, that's what I want to quote. The third answer, the two says, Uva Medrash, she found in Medrash, Michael Sara Gadol Makriv Nishmatan Shot Sadikim Allah Mizbeach Shalmala. Valzetik Nuvi Ishaisa. Medrash says, I quote it literally. Michael, the great minister of God, the angel, the archangel, Michael, sacrifices the souls of the righteous of Israel on the altar of high, on the heavenly altar. And that is why we save Isha Yisrael. Isha Yisrael doesn't refer to animal sacrifices of yore, of ancient times. But it refers to a sacrifice which does take place today. Not a metaphor for prayer, but it's a real sacrifice because Michael Sarah Gadol sacrifices the souls of Tzadikim. I'm not going to try to explain that what I think this means. I'm not even sure what it means exactly. But I think it's obvious that it's not something which we think will result in our getting something. I've never heard anywhere in Judaism, it's a foreign idea to Judaism, that the death of the righteous engenders our getting something in return. I can see Christians adopting that idea because the way they treat the death of the innocent. But I've never heard anywhere in Judaism that one could say to God, Someone died, so therefore give us something. I think it's clear that the idea, I don't know what it means exactly, but the idea of Michael Sargadol is sacrificing the souls of the righteous on the altar of high, it's pure service. He's offering it to God as a, as a present, as a, as a, as something beautiful. These tzaddikim have lived their lives in your service and, and now they finish their lives and I, Present it before you. Michael Sarah Gadol, the one who's doing the sacrifice, he's not praying for anything, he's not asking anything from God. He's simply showing God, he's bringing before God the fruits of the world, the true fruits of the world, which are the accomplished souls of the righteous. It's not the suffering of the righteous that he's sacrificing, he's sacrificing the fullness of their lives. That's the Ratzon. In other words, 
was showing God that the world works. And I hope that my individual prayer as well should be something which could be like presented, you know, like if you go to, they have these, uh, the guy's 70 or he's retiring. So I have an evening of recognition and you present them with a plaque. Okay, the souls of the tzaddikim are the plaques presented to God on a certain occasion. Our tefillot should be the same thing. They should find Levatzon, Lifnei Hashem. Of course, this explains the end of the Bacha. Having said that, the Bacha is really about I've prayed, I want my prayer to be Levatzon. Since we know that the real, true source and focus of Levatzon is Avodat Beit HaMikdash. That's what it's for. It does other things. But what it's for is that the world should should sacrifice to God. The world should should, should have smoke rising Having said that, I think, I hope my prayer was in service to you. And if you found pleasure in it, I immediately said And therefore, I would really want and hope to be able to serve you even better. But the real service of God would be in the Beit HaMikdash. And we hope that someday we will see the true service of God. The true Ratzon. God who restores the divine service is a God who obviously takes pleasure in the service of the Jews. If he doesn't take pleasure of the Jews, why would he even bother? Restoring the service, it doesn't give him any pleasure. But God who is Magzish, is the God who accepts, treasures, it finds favor in his eyes, favors the service of, of the Jewish people in the Beit HaMikdash, and therefore I hope my little discourse with him today has also found pleasure in his eyes. There are two different aspects of service of God. The one which we've discussed for the last dozen weeks was saying we are dependent on Him. Asking Him to give us that which we need. Recognizing Him as the only source of our lives everything in it. Now we're doing almost the exact opposite. It's not recognizing Him as a source, but seeing Him as He who I wish to please. And we pray that the same prayer in which we asked for God to serve, to, to, to give us things, should also be a prayer which gives pleasure to him, which finds favor in his eyes. This is part of a totally different part of Shemana This is part of Niftar Vaholech. When you leave God's presence, I know why you came. You came to ask him for things. But when you leave God's presence, the proper protocol uh, certified according to the proper royal manners of the royal court, to leave God is to say a bunch of things. And the first was what we just described. The next will be easier to understand what to understand them in context, but to thank God for everything He's done and for everything that relates between us. And then, to, well, to explain it, to express shalom, to ask for shalom, to talk about shalom, Take three steps back, so there's no more action. Three steps back, 
vow and leave God's presence. And so we will continue next week with the next Pacha, Bukata Hodaya.